focus on is a a real focus on like basically knowledge if that makes sense I know it's kind of a crap word but like let me kind of explain it a bit more if you okay just gonna get straight into it come on <laughs> um, if you God's grace God has a constant flow of grace and that's his favor towards you and it connects with your faith right if you don't know about something you cannot have faith for that thing and so if you don't know about something, if you're in ignorance with something, you can never see that thing come to fruition. It can never manifest in your life. So if you don't know that God calls you a friend, you're never going to be a friend with him. You're never going to look at him face to face and have that intimate relationship with him. So knowledge is actually like, it's not just, you know, here's the facts, read the textbook, whatever. It's this is incredible stuff that sets you free. Jesus goes, if you hold to my teaching... It's so not just listen and not even just believe, but hold. So hold even when it gets hard. If you hold to my teaching, then you'll know the truth and then the truth will set you free. So like I'm going to tell my testimony in just like a few minutes and you're going to see why I'm so like passionate for this stuff and why I'm so right on time, bro. It's good. <laughs> it's your own house. <laughs> Oh man, you're funny. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna share my testimony, and I'm gonna. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, I'm gonna share with you what Jesus has done in my life, and I yeah, he's done so much stuff for me. I can't even begin to explain it. Each week, I'm just gonna try and hit one topic and get us to a place where we can be set free by the truth. Does that make sense? In every area of your life. If you don't feel free right now in a certain area of your life, I'm going to bet God wants to see you free in that, in that area. Wouldn't a good father want that for their son or daughter? Does that make sense? Awesome. All right, so, yeah. So this school is going to be... So this is my passion. So this is what happens in life, right? Someone goes through cancer and then they get healed by something then they go out and they go nuts on trying to get other people set free from cancer right that's what you do you turn your pain into a story and you go out and help other people my pain was and I'm and by the way I will mention church and I'll mention um different teachings and all this sort of stuff but I will never I promise you I will never ever ever rag on a church the church is the bride of Christ the church is the people of God they are amazing. Most people out there are trying to do the best they can with what they've got. And they may have differences to what I'm talking about here, but they're my brothers and they're our brothers and sisters and they're our family. So I'll never rag on a church. I promise you that. But what happens is, is that there is often a lack of freedom in churches. If we can just be real and just say there's a lack of freedom in the teaching there's people that go to church their whole lives and struggle and they never actually have that peace and that joy and that freedom that comes with Jesus when Jesus lives inside of you. And so, like, honestly, I'll just say it how it is. I personally have that. And I went through 25 years of not having that, searching, longing, just dreaming of having that one day. Didn't even know it was possible in this life. I just thought it wasn't because I didn't really see anyone walking like that. But then it happened. And I want people who were in that place where I was, who were, who were struggling, asking these big questions like, what about this? And how come it's so epic in the Bible, but it's just not epic in my life? And why do I see these people acting this way, but then I act this way? And all this sort of stuff, these big questions that everyone has, I, th I think, from people that I've spoken to, but they get let down because there's no one really walking it out. But I want to encourage you, if you have that, those questions, those thoughts, those desires in your mind, in your heart, there is a place where God is reality every single day. Like you wake up, you don't even try either. That's the best part. Hey, man. That's the best part is that you, you wake up and it's, like, it's just like a relationship. Like I'm, I'm married to Amber. I don't try and be, stay married to Amber. I just say thank you Jesus and I'm married to Amber and then I hug her and then we just do life together 
And that's what your relationship with God can and I'm going to say will be like. Yeah, it's confident, hey. <laughs> All right, that's kind of my goal. And I've, I've noticed that there's these pillars, uh, I'm going to call them pillars, of teaching and truth that um, they stop people, if you don't have these pillars, these foundations of, of teaching, they stop you from getting to a place of intimacy with God. And those are the things that I want to tackle week by week. And I want to be doing all the teaching. There'll be other people doing teaching as well, like Brad and a few others. But I want to tackle those topics and then set you guys up for a, in, into a place where you are walking intimately with God and knowing God. Um, that's kind of the goal. So as I said before, feel free to ask questions like put your hand up in the middle of the talk, I, I don't mind, or even just yell something out if it's appropriate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I even might set up like an anonymous texting service. If you've got like a personal question, if you want to know who it's come from, you can just text it in. Um, I'll look at that one day. Um, and I also just want to say this is to be, I want this, and I think Jace's um, vision for this, plus also worship night, is that this is like supplemental. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Supplemental to church attendance. So we're not saying come and make this your main community. What we're saying is if you'd like to come and you're hungry for the truth, and I reckon that's why you're all here, because you're all hungry for the truth. Come on. <laughs> that was the first come on. There's going to be many come ons. <laughs> um, you're all hungry for the truth. You're all hungry to know God more. And that's freaking awesome. Like, there's going to be big things happening in all of your lives, and it's going to start with that desire. Like, the fact that you came here tonight. It's incredible. It's a, most people wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? But you guys did. So that's cool. Um... But yeah, I, I want to I make it clear that at least at this point in time, this is not like a church service, an official church plan. It's some, something that's supplemental. I feel like I have stuff I want to give to people and serve people with, but I don't want to take you away from your, your primary community. Um, and last of all, you might be thinking, why should I listen to you, Nate? Like, have you been to Bible college? Have you written a book on theology? Have you done this and that and whatever? It's a good question, and I appreciate if you are thinking that way, because it's good, because I could be spouting on about anything up here and actually convincing you to walk in a way or think in a way that's not good and it's going to destroy your life rather than build it up. So I want to say clearly, if, if anything that I say you think is really not in the Bible or you don't see it in the life of Jesus or it doesn't produce life in your own life, Definitely don't receive it immediately just because I said so. Challenge it, question it, bring, open up the conversation, chat to someone about it, come chat to me afterwards. I'm just a person, like I'm learning and growing and journeying with you guys as well. I hope that makes sense. But next week, I'm going to start with the topic of truth and I'm going to smash the idea of how you can know that what you read and your interpretation of the word is actually the right one. Because that is a big, big topic. There's tons of disagreement in the church and it's hard to navigate through. So how can we actually know that what, what our own interpretation of the Bible is actually right? And how do we know that how we're thinking about God is actually right? I'm going to show you that next week. Like God actually himself taught me it. That might sound kind of strange, but I said, God, I'm so confused right now because there's so many different opinions on this, this and that. You're going to have to teach me because I am so overwhelmed in my mind. And he, sh and he showed me and he taught me and it's cool. Anyway, that's next week. I won't get ahead of myself. Um, so I'm going to tell you guys my story because not all of you know me as well, so I think it'll be helpful. Um, so basically, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents are absolutely amazing. They love Jesus and they, want me, they wanted me and my brothers and sisters to know Jesus as well. And it's awesome. So they brought us to church. We got baptized into the church. We grew up in the church. And they've never stopped following Jesus my entire life. And so I basically, uh, not always, not everyone has the same um, testimony as this, but I'm someone, if you've been raised and brought up in the church, you can, you can relate to me. You guys know what it's like. Um, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, so... I was raised and brought up in the church, reading the Bible from like one. I remember I even got baptized and apparently I yelled out amen at the end when I was two. I don't remember it, but I did do it. So I was passionate from the get-go, guys. Like, 
Yeah. Um, but, okay, so getting, getting raised in the church, you get taught tons at Sunday school, and you get taught these epic stories about a guy that gets swallowed by a fish. And you're like, what? No, he didn't. And I'm like, yeah, he did. Better believe it. And then every animal in the world jumps on a boat. Really? <laughs> cool. Okay. Like, maybe. I don't know. Uh, what's another crazy one? Some guy gets thrown to the lion's den and the lions just don't touch him and they're really hungry. Okay. Cool. And, and, you, and you get taught these really epic, amazing stories from the get-go. And you, and you get taught to think epically and big, but about God, which is good and right. But it never seems to sort of translate to here and to now and to life and to who you are and where you're walking. And so you live your whole life in the shadow of this big, amazing, glorious God, which he is, but you feel really tiny and small and life for you is actually not very epic. And, and it, was, it feels like the Bible was, oh, it was cool back then, but now it's not really. You guys resonate? Yeah. You guys know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not for now. That was back then. That's what Jesus did. You know, we just have to live our normal lives. You know, commit on Sunday, love your neighbor, ticket to heaven at the end if you make it. Good luck. <laughs> but like, I, I, like part of me didn't buy that. Does that make sense? Like part of my heart was like, okay, well, I guess everyone else is doing that. So that kind of must be right. Who am I to disagree with? Like people that are 50 years older than me. Um, but part of my heart was like, yeah, but like, like why isn't, the like miracles and stuff, I'm not saying it's all about miracles, but why isn't stuff like amazing stuff happening today and for my life and for me and for here and for now? And like people would tell me, like the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I'd be like, whoa, 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 stop. What? God? No. You must have been reading that wrong. God, like the guy that created the universe, you're saying he lives inside me. And I'm like, yep. And I'm like, well, why is no one freaking out about this? <laughs> Seriously. Like, if you actually believe that. Like, and I just, I, I kind of felt like people didn't really believe that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I had these longings, and I'm sure lots of you can resonate with this. Longings and desires and goals and dreams that, like, something would just be as epic as, like, I don't know, video games seem to be. Or, like, movies portrayed it, like... Or like holidays are. Does that make sense? We have, we have these longings for these the reachings for paradise, but nothing's ever actually real and, and manifest. And the Bible seems distant and God seems distant. And when you come towards God, you actually come towards him with a master-slave mentality. He's big. We're small. God, can you please, can you please, can you please? Whereas when you read the Bible, Jesus goes, I've called you friends. And he talks to people face to face. And he's slow with them took the disciples three years to even get to where they were at the end, and still Peter runs away. Slow, patience. But at the end, who does he become? Peter becomes this incredible guy. He's healing people with his shadow. How come there's none of that in the church? I wonder that too. Like, this guy wasn't even God. Like, Jesus, I can understand people going, yeah, but he's God. Yeah, but this guy was a fisherman. Like, he had zero like, skill in religiousness. You know what I mean? And Jesus is like... I want him to be my main guy. I'm gonna, he's, my, he's the rock I'm going to build the church on. Peter. Why? Because he believed Jesus at his word. And he was passionate. And he followed it through. And look what happened at the end. Incredible transformation. Okay, where are we up to? Yeah, so growing up, longing, not being fulfilled. Does that make sense? So... I sort of wandered away a little bit, as kind of many of us do, and perhaps even all of us have done, in, a, in my teenage years. It just didn't, didn't resonate with me. Wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it. And I just kind of did my own thing, because that's what humans do, that we go where there's enjoyment, and I found enjoyment in other things, like we all do, right? But then you kind of grow up a little bit, and you start taking life a bit more seriously. People have opinions about what life is and what life isn't, and you start to find a camp. And, you, and what I did was I... I decided to go back to church. And what I found was when I went back to church was that I was really, really, really good at being a Christian. Like, like, like that. It was just like second nature to me. I was like doing the ministries. I was like leading youth group, doing talks, doing this and that. And people were just like, well, man, you're amazing. God must love you. And I'm like, probably. Like, <laughs> and I, but I found it so easy, like to be honest. <laughs> 
Well, I now know it's definitely. It's not just <laughs> <laughs> Back then, I was trying to please him. You know what I mean? And we, I think sometimes in Christian culture, we build up this person who's like the ultimate like ministry person. Oh, that's the goal. You've got to be like him. He's like out in the street doing evangelism, like going to all the Bible studies. He knows so much Bible like off the top of his head. And the people that aren't like that feel so crap. They feel so guilty and they feel like they'll never catch up to these guys. And that's kind of the culture that I was in. But I, I was at the top end of that because I just found it so easy. And I got praised for it continually. So it's really difficult to, to ever sort of question that because it feels right because everyone's just lifting you up, lifting you up, lifting you up. And you never take a second to go, hang on, is this actually like what the Bible is saying? Like, am I actually doing it right? And so... I, I lived up what I would kind of describe as quite a religious way to live, um, knowing tons about God. Like I read so many books, I listened to so many sermons, I did so many Bible studies, and I read the Bible from cover to cover in two and a half years, and I just went nuts on it. Like it was just my thing, my thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and I knew tons about God, but I didn't know Him. Does that make sense? It's like if I was interested in Amber before we started dating, this is what it's equivalent to. This is what religion is equivalent to. I go on her Facebook page and I start reading all about her. I read where she goes on the weekends, what she does for a job, who her friends are. And I can build this in huge profile and know so much about her, but I could never get to know her unless I go, hey, or like, hey, <laughs> and say, do you want to go get coffee? So I can know tons about her, but I can never actually get to know her. I miss out on actually everything because knowing the person, who cares if you know facts about someone? It's about knowing the person. And I didn't know God. And maybe you feel in this room tonight, you feel like you don't know God. That's actually okay too because like, it starts with a desire to go, God, I, I actually feel like I don't know you. It starts with a, a, a soft heart like that going, I don't know if I actually know you like I should know you. Can you please reveal yourself to me and help me out in this because I really, really, really want to know you sound amazing. Mm -hmm. And watch what happens. Like God is waiting for people with hearts like that, that are soft. Like it talks about in the Bible, the analogy of the potter and the clay. And if the clay starts to spoil, God will use it for a different purpose. But if the clay stays good, he'll use it for this purpose. And it's talking about the state of people's hearts. So if your heart starts to go one way, he can still use it for this good. But if it's going the other way, he wants to use it for this good. And it's about, you guys know the parable of the sower, where the farmer is throwing all the seeds, and there's three bad soils, and there's one good soil. There's one rocky path where the birds come, there's the thorns, and there's a shallow soil, and there's one good soil. It's about making your heart the good soil. How can I just soften my heart to just let him come in? Does that make sense? So I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. So back to where I was, I was doing all the ministries. I was doing this, this and that, studying at Bible college, for goodness sake. And just whole life was just Christianity. But my whole life wasn't Jesus. And it, it can only go so far like that because you will get tired and you will start to do other things. You'll start to sin and you'll feel incredibly crap for it. You'll feel like God hates you. I actually legitimately felt like God hated me. I could not have, I couldn't tell that God loved me. I was so confused because I was so wrapped up in, but I'm normally like this, but I'm doing this. Does that make sense? And that destroys intimacy because I didn't know what he said. So I started to get tired and ministry was draining, and I was just over it, and it just wasn't real, and it wasn't life-giving, and it wasn't energetic. Um, and so I just distanced myself from God. I just stopped going to church, whereas I legit went to church every single week, Bible study every single week. It was just easy for me. I couldn't imagine why I wouldn't go. Um, but I distanced myself. I kept pulling away, pulling away, pulling away, because I thought he was mad at me because I thought he was disappointed with me, not because I didn't want to get to know him or have this stuff figured out. I just thought he didn't want to have anything to do with me because I wasn't living the Christian life well. Do you guys understand that? 
Does that make sense? When you sin, you actually are so focused on you and yourself and you feel so crap that you actually destroy intimacy yourself rather than understanding what God says about you and how God sees you now. That's why I was so confused. I was spiraling. In my mind, I was spiraling out of control. I would have looked normal to everyone. I would have looked completely fine. But inside, I was like, I was this guy. Now I'm not this person anymore. And I just thought God hated me. So I was like, what's the point? So what I did was, and this is what we often do, is that I replaced God with something else. I found, and my goal was actually nutrition. <laughs> Not a bad thing. I love nutrition. Nutrition is amazing. But it's a pretty crap God. And I actually made this my God. And Amber actually had to actually call me up on this and say, I think nutrition is becoming your God. And I, like, I was like, I, I know. But I can't go back to the real God. Like, I feel so crap. And he probably hates me. Um, but nutrition was my God. Nutrition was the answer to everything. Oh, if you just eat well, depression will go away. If you just eat well, like you'll have amazing energy to, to, to be social and to have amazing family and friends and be good at work. Like, it, I don't know how I thought like that. It was messed up, but I actually thought like that. Um, and, but it was, uh, the, the funny thing was is that I was actually sick at the time. And I was getting sicker week by week, month by month. Like, you go, you go back and look at pictures of me there, and I'm just like, why? I got my skin's, like, breaking out. I'm just like, nutrition, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I was convinced I'd find the right diet, the right balance of amino acid, like, whatever. I don't know what the crap I'm talking about. But you know, you know what I mean? Like, I was convinced eventually if I could keep trying enough foods and the right diet and the right exercise and get right enough sleep and block out the light and all that crazy stuff I used to do, like, yep, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Um, then I would actually be healthy, right? But I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So, but at the same time, God was moving in my heart, and I didn't know it. I had no idea. There's some people in this room, though, that probably did have an idea, and I really appreciate that they had an idea, or at least had a vision for what I could be like. Um, my brother's not here tonight, but he, he, he knew what I could be like, and he prayed for me, and he poured into me, and he, he, he got people to pray for me, and I really appreciate that because those were seeds being sown in my heart. I didn't even realize it at the time. But then one day God just goes, boom, and this big tree comes out. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> didn't see that coming, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, okay, this is what happened. I was around two different groups of people in my life, both Christian, um, both amazing people, both my friends. But some people, uh, how do I say this in a good way? Some people I agreed with, with the thoughts in my head about God and theology, and I know this is right and this is how this should go. And like I said, I read, I read so many books and all this. I knew how to think the right way that people would praise you for. Does that make sense? Mm. I, and there was people like that in my life that I agreed with, but wasn't necessarily like living the most amazing life. It kind of felt like where I was at, just kind of dull and nothing. A little bit, and I, and I can't judge. I don't know their hearts, I don't know their lives, but that's kind of how it felt. And I was around that crowd for a while. But then there was other people in my life that I didn't agree with, but they had something that I'd never seen before. And it was a fire. And it wasn't a fire, because I'd, I'd watched it for a while. It wasn't a fire that was getting dimmer. It was like a phase, a trend like a thing that was going to go away, it was legitimately getting brighter and I couldn't explain it. And it just messed with my head. <laughs> it seriously messed with my head. And I had to get to this point, and this is the point where I was talking about before with it was softening of the heart. This was the point where God could actually start to, to move and work in my heart, is that I go, you know what? I don't agree with those guys, but they must have something right because they've got something that I don't have. They've got life in them and their, their relationship with Jesus is incredible. And they're, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That I stopped thinking theology, which is not bad. I stopped thinking theology rules my life and I started looking for fruit. I started looking for who was actually living this life that was full of passion and full of intimacy with God. And they looked like they, looked like they knew God. They looked like they'd been hanging around him. That's what it felt like. And there was a particular moment that I was hanging out with Jace, actually. And we were just hanging out. We weren't even talking about God or anything like that. And just he just said, 
dude, I'll be right back. I've got to go pray for this girl. And he might have told this story at worship night, but I'm going to tell it again from my perspective. Um, I've got to go pray for this girl at the front door. And I was like, um, okay, go for it, man. Like, this is, in my head, I was like, this is going to be, this is going to go down so bad. People do not want to hear this crap. <laughs> um, that's what I was thinking. Didn't say it, glad I didn't say it because I was definitely wrong. So he walks up to this girl and was like, hey, I just want to tell you that um, Jesus loves you and he thinks you're amazing. And she was like, so receptive. She was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. Thank you for saying that. And he was like, that's okay. I, I just wanted to, to bless you and to um, say, I hope you're having a good night. And just wondering if you have anything I can pray for you for. And she was like, oh, I've got a you know, bad shoulder. Do you reckon you could pray for that? And he was like, yeah, sure. So Jay started praying. I kind of just was like, yeah, I'll pray as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, kind of contribute to the prayer somehow. <laughs> and what was amazing was, wasn't really that, like, she didn't get healed straight away, but she did actually end up getting healed, and she got saved a couple weeks later, I think. Is that right? Yeah, a couple weeks later. Like, come on. Like, that's crazy. But I thought she was going to be like, Jesus, are you crazy? Get out of here, son, and just, like, kick him out. But she just loved it. And I go, in my heart, I was like, oh, my gosh. I would have walked straight past her. I wouldn't have even thought for five seconds about that girl. That's not right. Totally Jesus would have, done, would have prayed for her. But I didn't, I didn't even think like that. I knew something was wrong. We've got to start thinking like that. We've got to start thinking less like, yeah, but what does that theologian say about this passage? To some extent, who cares? Seriously, it's a man. And if the, if the man's theology isn't producing life... It is wrong. And that's a hard thing to convince people of because, man, we get taught to think in certain ways about the Bible and about church and about Jesus and about God. And if anything goes outside that for even a second, we hound on it. And we go, that's wrong, that's wrong. But what if it wasn't producing life? Can we at least just admit, even if it is right, that that's not producing life and not producing a, a satisfied heart? Even if that is God. Let's just, can we just be real and say it's not, it's not what I wish it was? Does that make sense? So, yeah, I saw that and I was like, okay, I've got to start hanging around these guys a bit more. And that was a big step for me because I didn't agree with tons of stuff and hanging out with them was actually pretty uncomfortable. And, but I persevered with it. Yeah, it was. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> you guys were like singing all the time. I was like, I'm just not in the mood for singing. <laughs> And you're always talking about identity. I was like, I get it. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm saved. Cool. But you guys just kept talking about it. Anyway, those, the, the, like, those guys were happy, happy enough for, like, for me to hang there and for, to pour into me, to pray for me. And I didn't get anything they were talking about. But stuff was happening in my heart. And, and you could tell that my heart was open for it because I was there in the first place. Does that make sense? So just a little bit over time, that was probably like... Um, I'm going to say July, August 2015, so last year. And the big change for me was September 29th. I'll never forget it. Best day of my life, 100%. Wedding is slightly below that. <laughs> but no, they're both good. I don't know. I can't pick a wedding. <laughs> um, okay, so there's a few-month period. So we're talking July, August last year, up until September. So God's working, moving. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something. And I remember these, these four different key moments that was like, well, something is, something's here. Something's good. Something's happening. Couldn't explain it. I just felt it. One was hanging out with Sim and Keenan. And we were just hanging out one night. It was a Friday night. I don't know why I remember that. I just do. I'm good with dates. Um, we're just hanging out. And, and uh, Sim had come back from Cambodia because remember you were sick. And I was like, dude, but you believe in healing. Like, how can you come back from Cambodia? Like, what the heck? I just felt that was so, like, hypocritical. And I was like, I wanted to try and, like, break him, <laughs> in a sense. And he, the way he responded was so in line with the word. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That was, I didn't say it at the time, but I was thinking it. And it was so just like, yeah, I, I, I believe in healing, um, but even if I'm not seeing it, like, it doesn't change how I think about healing. And I've, I'm, I'm still growing and I'm still learning. And, and it was just all this, like, wise stuff wrapped around his experience. And it just made sense. And I don't know what happened that night, but there was something in my head that just went, yeah, that's good. That's right. I'm going to keep following that. 
train of thought. And then the next one was Brad, who's not here tonight, but he came over to our house and he was just chilling out after one day at work and he was just, we were just chatting, like it wasn't anything intentional. And he just starts chatting, chatting with me about what God is doing in his life because he just went to this crazy transformation about halfway through last year. This is like around about, around about the time that I was going to this guy's Bible study. And he just kept pouring into me and being like, this and God and blah and blah. And it just, and he didn't tell me this at the time, but he told me a few months later, he goes, the first time, he, he said it was the first time he ever felt the presence of God in the room. <clears throat> yeah, he didn't, he didn't know what to do. He was like, what the heck is this? He didn't say anything, but he left and called Ellie straight away and said, I was just chatting with Nate and I just felt the presence of God. So something's happening there. So that was the second one. And I don't, I don't remember even what we spoke about, but something was happening in my heart. I didn't know. Third one, I chatted to Ellie. So Ellie has like pretty horrible shoulder pain. And she was, we were hanging out one night at, at Bible study and she was saying, oh, I'm, I'm healed in Jesus' name, speaking like really faith and amazing, powerful stuff. And I was like, Ellie, like, I don't get, what, what are you talking about? Like, you still have the shoulder pain. Like, how can you say you're healed in Jesus? I don't, I don't understand that. And again, she reiterated what kind of Sim and Brad were saying that this idea, the idea is that the word defines my reality. And what God says defines my reality. Even if I'm not experiencing it, I can feel the literal pain on my shoulder. If God says that I am healed, I'm just going to run with that. I'm just going to believe that. And I was just blown away by that kind of response. I never thought that you could even think like that. I, I just thought unless I saw it, touched it, experienced it, whatever, it wasn't real. And I didn't know that I was thinking like that, but that revealed to me that I was thinking like that. So that was the third one. And the fourth one, this was the big one. Um, Christine and Amber were chatting one night on the phone and they were talking about a preacher named Curry Blake and uh, Brad had recently told me to start listening to him and so I was like, oh, whatever, maybe one day I probably wasn't going to do it but I kind of said I would and then they were chatting about it, uh, about him and then Amber just randomly said, do you want to just watch a sermon by him? And I was like, sure, why not? I don't care either one way or the other and we put it on and it was one called Have Faith in God. And it was Jesus um, in Mark chapter 11 talking about the fig tree. So basically, Jesus walks up to this fig tree. It's a really weird story, but I love weird stories. He's hungry. How cool is that? Jesus is hungry. And he sees a tree and he walks up to the tree and there's no fruit on the tree. And it's a fig tree, but it's not the season for figs. And so Jesus is like angry about it and he curses the fig tree and the fig tree like starts to die. And that's what happened. And they walk off and go do something else. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But then they walk back past it the next day. And Peter goes, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree that you cursed has, has withered. And Jesus goes into this big spiel. Actually, let's just read it because it is freaking... Come on. <laughs> Mark chapter 11. Starting from verse 20. Okay. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. I'm going to read that part again. Truly I say to you, whoever, that's anyone, says to this mountain, that's a big problem, be taken up and thrown into the sea, that's a big command, <laughs> and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says, not what God says, what he says will come to pass, it will, not it might. It will be done for him. The reason I said not this, not this, not this is because we start thinking like that. We hear Jesus say something crazy like, tell the mountain to go jump in the sea and we go, yeah, it might, maybe, I, could be. I don't know if Jesus did it. <laughs> like we just, just, like we take what he said and we just like wither it down to like, yeah, maybe, no. <laughs> not happening. But I've never seen it, you know what I mean? So you're living by sight, not by faith. Does that make sense? 
the next part, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We do the opposite. We pray, we wait for it to be received, and then we go, now I believe in you, God. Thank you so much, Jesus. Jesus goes, pray, believe that you already have received it, even if you can't see it, even if it's not there in front of you, and then it will be yours. And it was this mind-bending, mind-twist thing that I had never seen or considered before that the Word of God defines reality. Does that make sense? Rather than I define reality and then God's Word comes in over the top and sort of explains it all to me. No, no, no. Jesus says in John 17, he's praying to God and he goes, Father, your Word is truth. Your Word is truth. The word truth literally translates to reality. Jesus goes, Father, your word is reality, not what I see. And that's how Jesus lived. He lived in what he could not see. He lived by faith. He was the perfect example of faith, and he pleased the Father because you cannot please God without faith. Awesome. So I heard that sermon, and then over the next 24, 48 hours, my mind just went bananas. It just went crazy monkeys. I don't know. <laughs> it just, I, I couldn't explain it. It was literally the weirdest thing in the world. The entire Bible just went and popped and it became real. And I could read it for the first time, even though I'd read the whole thing. But I couldn't read it before because my eyes were veiled because I lived by sight and not by faith. And I had zero uh, connection point with the grace of God because I didn't have faith to understand and to read and to see what I'm not seeing. Because faith is fixing your eyes on what you do not see. Faith is fixing your eyes on the truth of the word and the spiritual reality of this world rather than going, no, life is like this. I've already defined that. And then God, you come in later and you explain those little things like where the universe came from and that sort of thing. It's a different way of thinking. It's a, it's a retraining of the mind to think differently, to think how God thinks, to think that actually what he says, even though you're not experiencing it, is, just is. Like, that's what he wants. He wants people to trust that he is who he says he is. He's looking for people to trust that. That every little word that comes out of his mouth, he means it. It means what it says. It says what it means. It's not this huge puzzle. I get there's some scriptures that are very difficult to understand. Most of it is reasonably straightforward. It's Jesus walking with some guys chatting about things. Like, especially in the New Testament. Like, you can read it and you can get it. But we read it and it hits our heart and we go, that can't be true. And we push it back. And no wonder we have these angst and desires and goals and dreams and longings that aren't fulfilled because, because we have zero faith for that and zero expectation that God would ever move that way. And so if God's not going to move that way, is he going to come in and force himself on your life like that? Or is he going to work with you through faith and through the knowledge that you have of him where you just take him at his word and you trust him and you honor him with that. So the whole Bible just went, like, just popped. And it just, I, I can't even explain it. It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. Like, the Holy Spirit has to do this too. He has to actually reveal it and unveil your eyes and your heart. And then the word of God becomes reality. And until you get to that point, it won't, unfortunately. And don't hear condemnation in what I'm saying. Don't say, oh, you should be walking by faith. No, hear opportunity. Mm. Hear this is possible. Hear this is reality. Hear this is someone in front of you that's claiming to actually have this as a reality in his life. Are you going to argue with that? Because it's my experience. You can't argue with it. <laughs> like, and, and since then, no exaggeration, 100% legit, full on, just take me at my word. I've lived in peace and strength and faith, and the reality of God, and grace every single day since then. And it's been over a year now. And it didn't get dimmer, it's getting brighter. Glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. The Christian life doesn't go up and down, dry season, happy season, dry season, happy season. That might be what you feel, but don't live by what you feel. You live by the truth of the word. What he says is. What if you wake up tomorrow and you don't feel loved by God? So what? You know you are. If you live by faith, 
And if you let the Word of God hit you like it's supposed to. So, I'll talk more about that and my journey and everything as, as the week's gone, but that's enough for now. And you guys can sort of see the backdrop and why I am the way that I am and why each week I'll probably just be getting crazier and crazier. Um, but, yeah, can, I just want to make clear that I said all those things so I had peace and I have joy and I have this new understanding of even power and authority and a reality of God in my life. But the most important thing and the point of this school and the point of me speaking tonight is not that I got all those things by doing this thing, is that I actually got to know Him. And until I had that understanding of faith and, coming and, tr- and drawing near to Him by faith, I could never know Him. But now I can confidently say that I know Him and I'm getting to know Him day by day by day. And every angst and desire in your life that is unfulfilled, it will come from you walking intimately with God and, and knowing Him. So John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have... Anyone? Okay, we get taught to think that's heaven. I'm not saying it's not, but maybe it's more than that. Maybe eternal life is, like Jesus says in John 17, and Father, this is eternal life, that they know you and his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe it's not eternally long, but maybe it's eternally deep as well, and eternally incredible, and eternally fun. And it's just life in every way, in every angle, as many as you can imagine. (laughs) Maybe that's eternal life. Maybe it's not just a ticket to heaven at the end that it sometimes gets watered down to. Maybe it's your most amazing self today. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) So I've got a few scriptures because, like I said, it's all about knowing God, right? Um, I'm just going to quickly read a few because this will, this will give you a, um, a grasp for everything I say in the coming weeks because it's all going to be about how can I take this concept and help uh, my own relationship with God to know Him better. By the way, does anyone have any questions so far? You, you're recording this, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they can hear you right now. <laughs> Are we happy, everyone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? I had like a, a, just a little thought. Yeah, man. Like when you were saying like the up and down, cool. Um, sort of like swells of Christianity. Yes. And immediately, I kind of just thought of like you hear a lot of the time of the church, um, you know, having those swells like massive growth phases and then kind of like just a chill sesh and then like they focus on something else and then maybe you know maybe they focus a lot on new people coming to the church and then the old people that are in the church are like oh well, I'm not getting anything from this and then they leave and then there's like maybe like anti-growth or whatever it's called or, yeah um I don't know there's a thought that came from yeah I'm not sure if you had any comments on that or like thoughts or yeah know, maybe dwell on it and bring it up later um, I think we'll definitely hit on that, but like while we're on it now, like let's just give it a stab, like for sure. Um, I think, yeah, so if you look at church history, you'll see exactly that. Yeah. You'll see massive revivals and then like nothing. Like, like the, what's it called? The Jesus movement? Jesus, what's it? Jesus people. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh, Jesus doesn't sound right. <laughs> I'll take a word for it. Um, the Jesus people in the 1960s, and then after that, it just fades. And then now there's something happening here. You can, you can feel that, right? What would be the difference between, like, this generation and the previous generations? I personally think it, it comes down to how this community and, and this generation understands love. Now, that might sound kind of simplistic, but love is not self-seeking. Love is... I care more about you and where you're at and what you're going through 
rather than actually me. And so if we envelop and embody and understand love and become love, become the love of God, what are we going to aim for? We're going to aim for the next generation to get this, more importantly than we've got it. And our ceiling becomes their floor. And then the church builds itself up and builds itself up and builds itself up because it just keeps going. But if, if one generation gets it and they don't teach the next generation how to understand and to get, to get what you got, it'll, it'll go down again. So if it becomes all about us and we're like, oh, yeah, so good, so good, that's not good. Like Proverbs says, like, I think it's a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Think deep, long, far ahead of time, your grandchildren. Do you know what I mean? Imagine if this generation was the first to get that. Come on. <laughs> then it wouldn't be this thing where it's one big revival, then nothing for ages. It's, it's, I, personally, that's what I think. It's a, yeah, awesome. Come on. Um, so I'm just going to read. Any more questions while we're on it? Yeah, Robin. Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay, and yet you never got it. So how much of it is God giving it to you? Wow. And how much is it of you teaching these people, or all of us, yeah. to get it? Wow. Because awesome what, you're, what you've experienced is God has opened your eyes to see what you have in Christ, mm. right? Yeah. Which your mum has always understood, mm. and yet never got through you, obviously, mm. because you had to find it yourself. Mm. We all have right. to find it ourselves. Mm. So Totally. Um, what I'm asking you is, mm. how much is that from God? Because only God can of course. show each person here what you see, yep. as he has me. Mm. So I get what you're saying, mm. but it's God that does mm. that. Absolutely. So yeah. everybody has to ask God for that. Yeah. And I think we need it in this generation. Mm. I think that the world is... At a stage where we're going to need to be mm. standing up, I think the church is asleep, mm. um, and I think that um, what you're saying is is the key. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Watchman Nee. A Watchman Nee. He used to say it, exactly mm. what you're saying. Wow, no, he never heard of him. In 1920. Okay. And died in prison as a prisoner of wow. communist regime. Wow. And wrote books saying exactly what you're saying. Wow. So, awesome. But my, my question is, how much is God? Yeah. But isn't the key that we have to ask God for that? Yeah. That what He's shown you. For sure. I, that's a really good question. And it's a question that can apply to not just this topic, but pretty much every topic, every like in Christianity. And what I came to understand recently, and I'll set you an example, right? I go, up, I go to church, right? And I play in the band. And someone comes up to me and says, man, you played amazing tonight. And I go, no, 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 it wasn't me, it was God, right? But it was me, but it was God, but it was me, but it was God. And we, I think sometimes we try and single it down to one or the other when actually, and this is really cool, it's a partnership. It's your heart softened and then His grace pouring into that. And it's your eyes meeting with Him and you don't have anything to boast about because faith is actually a lack of work because what faith is, is a perspective that there is a, a waterfall of grace coming down on you. That God, God does all of it, but you set your perspective onto that. So you don't have anything to boast about, oh, I have such great faith. It just means you have such great ability to look one way. Like, does that make sense? So. Yeah. I think 100% it's God and 100% it's us. Um, if you take either of them away, I don't think you have that, the, the, the fright and full answer. Um, it, it needs, there needs to be some sort of responsibility on us. And I know this gets into very deep like um, issues about predestination, all that sort of stuff. We'll talk about it one day for sure. It can go deep. What I'm saying is for sure there's a... Uh, there's a reason why Jesus told parables. He told intentional mysteries and puzzles for a purpose. He wanted you to walk away and go, what was that all about? Because it gets you questioning and it moves your heart to a place where then he can come in. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So 100% it's God being the one who reveals it, for sure. But at the same time, there's people who are open to it and people who are not. People who are the deep, rich soil and people who are the shallow soil. I believe that's, the, that's our choice. That's our, that's, our, that's our will, I guess. Um, yeah, that'd be my answer to that question. Yeah, good question though. <laughs> um, I'm just going to quickly read a couple of scriptures. Um, so like I said, it's all about knowing God. Everything and anything you ever wanted in life comes from knowing God. And I'll, I'll show you that. I'll show you that right now, actually. <laughs> Paul says in Philippians 3, But whatever gain I had, verse 7, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So Paul's this incredible dude with an amazing ministry, prophetic powers, planning churches, all this sort of stuff. And Paul's like, it's, it's actually all crap compared to knowing God. And also then he goes on to say later, I haven't yet grasped it. I'm still chasing it. And that, that can be us. That you, and I reckon even in heaven, we'll never get to know all of God. How cool is that? Think about that for a second. It just goes on. And on, like even in marriage, like I don't know all of Amber. I'm st- we've been together for three and a half years now. I'm still learning day by day. Oh, okay, you're like this, you're like this. I'm learning, I'm growing. It's amazing to, to, to see a person like that. Um, a couple more. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 7 that many will come to, to God on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons in your name. And God says, I'm paraphrasing here, Depart from me, I never what? You can do incredible things in this life and look the part, look amazing, be healing everyone wherever you go and prophesying incredible things and whatever, but do you know him? Because that's really all God is concerned about. He just wants to know you. Like just, what, just like where you want to know each other. And just like when you're in a marriage, the highest value and the highest level is just knowing your spouse. Just knowing, just knowing them, not what they're like, and that's the funnest part. It's just there's a person, and you just connect over that. Um, another one, it says in Genesis 4 or 5. Yeah, I think no, it's 4. Um, talking about sex, it says, And Adam knew his wife, and she bore a son. <laughs> that's crazy. They use the word knew. Like there's this intimacy, there's this like, like the, the most intimate part of human life is basically in, summed up in, in the Bible as knowing. And, and that's supposed to point us back to God. He just wants to know you and for you to know him. Um, and the last one, you guys can flip there if you want, Luke chapter 10. This one's big. Like Robin, you mentioned my mum before. This was the passage for her that really just like made it real to her. She, she only told me this when I asked her. Like for 25 years, my mom's incredible. Um, she's like, I actually thought she was like Jesus growing up. And I, and I was taught that you had to sin, right? That you're always inevitably going to sin every day. And I was like, I actually don't see it in my mom. And I'm, I'm not saying she's perfect in every single way. She has. But what I'm saying is I... I just legitimately came to the conclusion that maybe some people don't every day. <laughs> I don't know, because I saw her and she just genuinely thought about others. Like, that's all she does. Think about others and God. That's it. And she doesn't try either. That's the, that's the funnest part, that she does not even try. And, and we're just like, Mom, you're amazing. You're bl- you bless everyone. You're so... She's like, no, no, it's just whatever. It's just, uh, just nothing. <laughs> just who she is. It's who she's become. It's crazy. Anyway, Luke 10, this will be my last thing I'll say. Uh, 38. So it's Mary and Martha. You guys might know this story. Luke 10, 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. 
but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So you've got these two um, sisters who are both doing good things. Martha's off in the background, serving, cooking food, cleaning up after everyone, making sure everyone has a good time. It's a great thing. But Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet and listens to his teaching. And Martha goes, that's not fair. I'm doing all this work over here. Can't you tell my sister to, to come and help me? And Jesus is like, he's gentle with it. Martha, Martha, it's okay. She has chosen the one thing that's necessary. That's what he says. The one thing that's necessary is you coming to Jesus yourself, not because anyone else or for any other purpose, but then to sit at his feet and to listen to his teaching. And that's actually what my mom's told me this about her life. She said she knew that there was deeper truth and deeper reality in, um, for, um, sorry, in her relationship with God, but she didn't know how to get it. And she goes, Jesus, I'm going to sit at your feet until you teach me and I will not move. She sat there. She doesn't remember how long it was. Months, maybe years. I don't know why. I don't know why it was that long. But she did and he taught her building block on building block on building block and she put it all together. And if you meet her, you'll be blessed because she's incredible. Like I've never met anyone like her, but she's, she's like Jesus because she just hangs out with Jesus every single day. Like it's amazing. Um, but it was, this, it was this passage. Stop being so busy and trying to do and trying to read your Bible and trying to get to church attendance and listen to podcasts and do this and do this. and do, Even like stop trying to get in, the, um, get in the alone time with God and, and, and like ask him to show up. Because sometimes you can turn that, even that into doing. But what about you with your personal work, walk? How are you coming to him and saying, Jesus, I want to sit at your feet and I want you to teach me? So I'll just read this last sentence and then I'll do it for tonight. But I wrote this a few months ago because this is the vision that God gave me for this teaching night, is that I want everyone to be at a place where they can walk intimately with God. And this is the word he gave me for that, is that you can then become in a sense, self-sustainable. Like you don't need all these other things. Like you don't even actually need, in a sense, community. Community is great, of course. It's, it's, it's um, something we should be doing, of course. But you actually don't need it. You don't, you don't have to come to church or worship night or teaching night anymore and go, oh, I wish someone would come up and pray for me. Because your relationship with God is actually what's sustaining you day by day and you get to be free and go out and bless others who are still in that place working that out. So I wrote this a few months ago, and I think it still makes sense. The goal is to walk intimately in relationship with God through life, because in that relationship, you have everything you were created for and find all fulfillment. But how can you walk with him if you do not know him? And how can you know him unless you come to him? And how can you have confidence to come to him unless you know how he sees you? And how can you know how he, how he sees you unless you understand what Jesus' finished work means? And how can you enter his finished work but by faith? And how can you have faith unless you have truth to apply to? And how can you know that what you're hearing and learning is even true to begin with? So we will start next week with understanding how we can know the truth through God's absolute word and through the revelation of his son so that, so that we know and walk with him and finally know who we are and what we're here for. Does that make sense? We're going to start with truth and we're going to end up with intimate relationship with God. That's the trajectory. <laughs> There'll be lots of things along the way. And, and what's funny is that different nights will hit different people here. Like for me, it was faith. But I know other people, it was grace. Or other people, it was love. Or certain topics that they were just missing. Once it hit, they go, oh. And, it, and the thing is, it aligns with them. That's the best part, is that you're a unique person. And God created you in a certain way. And when it aligns up with you, it's actually this personal, intimate thing that only you and him get to share. And it's this really amazing crazy, actual, real thing. Like, it's real. Like, this is not a dream. This is real life. Um, so, just for those of you, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and I've said it like five times, but um, for those of you who need practical stuff, like tips and advice and whatever, because you just don't deal well with academic, I mean, or even logical thoughts, not logical, you know what I mean? It's late, it's hot. Um, <laughs> What I wrote down was, start by getting alone, which is wherever you're at, whoever you are, whatever's going on, 
start by getting alone and just saying, God, you love me. God, you love me. Show me more of that, Lord. God, you love me. You love, even if you don't believe it, especially if you don't believe it. Start with that. It has to start with that. Anything else will, will send you out on the wrong path. There's many, many millions of paths that you can go, but the one that is right is walking intimately with him and knowing the love that he has for you. You don't have anything to give unless you have, unless you have received love. You can't go anywhere. Stop trying to go anywhere. Just sit at Jesus' feet and wait. Expect, like long for and dream and imagine what he's going to do with your life. That's it. (laughs) Cool. Any last questions or we cool? Cool. We're cool. 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 All right, awesome. So same time, same place next week. Keep hanging out. Eat some biscuits. Tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, we can't do tomorrow. Can someone please eat some of these biscuits? Because otherwise, <laughs> I who work at home will end up eating too many biscuits. Yeah.